everyone and welcome to episode 59 of Now We're Talking. This is a podcast of, about communication skills and my name is Rob Danish. I'm a professor of communication at the University of Waterloo. Uh, in episode 58 we were talking about making distinctions and today we're going to talk about sort of the opposite of that but I wanted before we get there I wanted to highlight a couple of features of the process of making distinctions that will kind of condition what we talk about today. So when you make a, a, a distinction, you know, if your friend says to you, uh, that was stupid, and you say, no, that was loyal, it wasn't stupid, you are deliberately positioning yourself in a kind of oppositional or competitive manner. Uh, you're challenging the worldview of the other person who said something to begin with. And that challenge to the worldview, to the worldview of someone else pits you kind of oppositionally to that person. So in some sense, making a distinction is a kind of hostile communicative act because it discounts some, some features of the world as the, your communicative partner sees that world. So you, you have to be aware of that. Now, I don't think that's avoidable in communication circumstances. So we always, we're always finding ourselves in, in positions where competition um, or disagreement or a kind of challenge or critique are uh, possible and inevitable and necessary compo components of communicative interaction. I don't think anyone listening or anyone in the world could just go through life not having to make distinctions or pit their view of the world against someone else's view of the world and have a competition or a contest between those views of the world. So with that in mind, what I was trying to say in the last episode is that someone that's really good at making distinctions is really good at drawing the kind of distinction with a difference that will advantage, that will give an advantage to their worldview over against some other person's worldview in hopes that more people will con con collectively see the world in the way that the that's been articulated through the distinction of the of the persuasive person. So, the idea of the the distinction with a difference is to draw other people into your worldview and reject some other view of the world. So it's a hostile communicative action. Um, so I would though. I would suggest that, that everyone use that cautiously. So I don't want people careening around the world constantly making distinctions in hostile kind of competitive ways in order to win adherence and to vanquish the enemies or your enemies who have different kind of communicative distinctions in, in mind. Uh, I would not recommend that. Um, and this goes back to something I said uh, in an earlier episode, I don't remember which episode, but it's something I tell my students all the time. First you, con first you connect, then you convince. So persuasion and all communication is about relationality uh, first and foremost. And if you're introducing kind of a constant barrage of distinctions, if you're constantly making distinctions, you're failing to establish relationships. And if you're failing to establish relationships, eventually the distinctions are gonna feel like you're just hammering away at the other person they can feel quite violent, like a kind of violent action on the other person's worldview. So you have to be really careful. So this episode is a kind of cautionary tale um, and a kind of antidote to distinctions, but it also introduces just as powerful a, a technique of persuasion because it starts with uh, relationality 
instead of uh, a competition between worldviews. So really what I want to talk about today is the power of acknowledgement and the power of giving ground. Um, so it, 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 it is the exact opposite of making a distinction. So acknowledgement involves um, the recognition and, uh, and sort of welcoming in of another person's worldview. And um, it allows or it opens the space for that worldview to kind of um, be affirmed as justifiable, as accurate, as a good depiction of the way the world is. And there's tremendous power in acknowledging another person's worldview and affirming its correctness. Um, so let's say I'm in an argument with someone and they're like, you're a jerk. That was a really jerky behavior to do or a really jerky action to take. I can make a distinction. I can say, oh, I wasn't being a jerk. I was just being strong-willed. Okay, that's one way of going about that conversation. The alternative way is to say, you know what? You're right. It was a jerky thing to do. It was the action of a jerk. I've acted like a jerk. I can see why you would see would understand the world that way, and I think that that's an accurate or good depiction of the world. Uh, that set of practices of acknowledgement, affirmation, and the giving of ground will have um, a powerful, the kind of opposite powerful effect than the distinction will have. Uh, so what happens in that case is a person who's being competitive, uh, combative, difficult, and they're obviously kind of feeling some stress about whatever the, the communicative interaction that's going on, all of a sudden relaxes a little bit. And the acknowledgement calms down the kind of situation. Uh, and they feel as if their worldview has been affirmed. So they feel more confident and more comfortable in the communicative interaction. And they also feel respected, um, acknowledged, uh, all, all these sorts of really positive outcomes result. It doesn't mean you you have to necessarily agree to or cede the point. It doesn't mean you've given up trying to persuade that person of your worldview, um, but it acknowledges an alternative path toward the process of persuasion. So here I would, I would say acknowledgement works by thinking the process of persuasion like this. Instead of competitively uh, pushing my uh, communicative kind of interlocutor into agreement with my worldview through a powerful distinction that reframes the conversation, I acknowledge and affirm their worldview and I enter into that worldview and I cede that worldview to that person and congratulate them or celebrate that person for having that particular worldview. And then I look inside that worldview for ways to pivot to uh, or to advance the kind of interests or the per persuasive outcome that I'm interested in advancing. Um, so I think about things like, you know, and here that requires a communicative actor, especially a leader, to think strategically about long-term goals and short-term goals. 
So uh, a strategic thinker or a leader, a good leader, thinks about long-term goals and oftentimes seeds uh, the authority of a worldview and acknowledges or affirms another's worldview for the immediate relational benefits and knowing that the long-term uh, kind of outcome that that person is pursuing is uh, can be achieved in other kinds of ways at a later date. And you take the benefit of the relationship that's been built through the process of affirmation or seeding ground um, or acknowledgement and recognize that that has a value later on when I'm trying to pursue a different kind of goal. So I do this all the time with, with my kids. I'm constantly trying to acknowledge um, or affirm their worldview. And I'm also try and do it with, with colleagues that I work with. Um, and so communicatively, this is as simple sometimes as uh, if someone says, you know, I'm really, really frustrated with this process that we're using in the department to make a decision. I think the process sucks. I could say back to them, okay, first of all, I can make a distinction and in, or I, instead of doing that, I could say, well, okay, I, I hear you. I can understand why you'd be frustrated and that frustration is justifiable. Like it makes sense to me why you'd be frustrated. I might not share your frustration, um, but I know uh, why you're frustrated and I acknowledge that those are really, really good reasons. Uh, and the way you're looking at things is helpful and is interesting and is important. And I affirm it as a way of looking at things. So I haven't agreed with the person. I haven't ceded to their persuasive power. I haven't uh, taken action. All I've done is affirmed their worldview or acknowledged their worldview or ceded some ground in, in their worldview. Uh, this actually sort of more than making distinctions, you, you would think that like making a distinction is actually an intellectually complicated thing to do sometimes. So really good academics make these great careers off of careful distinctions and they were kind of geniuses for, for making up these distinctions. Uh, so you think it's really hard work, but in in human emotional intelligence kind of components, it's much, much harder to see ground, acknowledge another's viewpoint and affirm that viewpoint than it is to make a distinction. It's because in a kind of when we have a kind of competition between worldviews, we have circumstances in which there's competition over worldviews. We get defensive and want to articulate in a powerful ways our worldview instead of acknowledging the other's worldview. Um, so it takes an awful lot, an awful lot of self-confidence and security in the person doing the acknowledgement because so if if we see a worldview to someone else and affirm that other's worldview, if we and if we acknowledge it, we uh, we can feel as if we are running the risk of losing the kind of long-term persuasive struggle over meaning. But only someone that has a great deal of security and self-confidence can acknowledge or um, affirm another person's worldview without getting defensive or worried or anxious about seeding their long-term persuasive strategy. And this is the kind of cornerstone of strategic thinking. So uh, it's like a, a, a it's like a war general kind of seeding one particular territory, not fighting over it because he or she is saving his or her troops for some other piece of land that they think is more valuable and where they're willing to 
make distinctions and fight it out. Um, strategic thinking often involves knowing when to make a distinction and when not to. So, and when you're not making a distinction, how to positively acknowledge, affirm the worldview of another person. So the set of distinctions being employed by that other person and how to do it carefully in language that opens the possibility for you later on making a distinction when it's more valuable to you to, to make a distinction. So in the process of persuasion, there's just as much power in that acknowledgement or that affirmation uh, than there is in the distinction-making process. Um, okay, so let's think of a, another example. So in my professional life, I'm the chair of my department right now, and the chair constantly comes under criticism for making decisions or doing things that people in the department don't like. So I get cr criticized a lot by my colleagues for a variety of different reasons. And I'm always thinking about, uh, at first, I would, I would just want to say, you know, you're, you're don't understand any, there are lots of times where I just want to say, look, you don't understand what the hell you're talking about. You don't know anything about the, the job or the decisions I have to make and your reasoning is terrible. Uh, and I'd introduce a distinction and just go and do what I want to do anyway. And that's re really bad leadership, actually. I mean, it's a mode of leadership. I could do that. And I could be, to reference a couple episodes ago, I could be transparent too. I can say, my reasoning for doing this is, is this. And it, it, sometimes that's helpful and sometimes that builds trust. But another thing that builds trust is also simply shutting up about what my worldview happens to be and living with acknowledging and accepting the worldview of the other person. And when I teach, I call this meeting the other person where they are and accepting where they are as, as part of them. Uh, so how that might look, work in a practical example, uh, let's say there's a committee assignment to be done and I ask certain people to serve on the committee and someone says I'm unfairly showing prejudicial treatment toward one person and not toward another person and that's really, really unfair. Um, and it's a kind of power move and um, it's a sign that I'm not to be trusted. So I get criticized for my choice of assigning work. Now I could make a distinction in the face of that. I could push back, I can enter, in, enter into a competition of worldviews, or I could just simply say, and this is part of mirroring, to go back to mirroring from a much earlier episode on interpersonal communication, uh, seeding ground or affirming another person's worldview is a form of mirroring. And it's a form of kind of, it's a form of building trust in by a leader in circumstances that might devolve into competition or debates or anger or frustration uh, or kind of ferocity where it doesn't need to be. Uh, so if someone says, you know, you're being really prejudicial in the way you are signing committee work and that stinks, it's not good for the department. So I could say back, okay, so maybe I have been pre prejudicial in the way I've assigned, done committee assignments. So I, I'm, and again, this is more than mirroring. I'm literally seeding the ground of the argument. I'm saying, your basic claim is correct. I have acted in a prejudicial manner when I've made this kind of uh, workload assignment in this way. Um, and you can add to that and just say, well, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. That may have been a mistake. It may not have been a mistake. I'm not sure. I, can, I want some time to think about what you've said. It's important to me. I acknowledge it. Um, so whether I change the committee assignment or not, whether I redistribute workload, 
whether that influences my future decision-making is kind of beside the point. What matters in that moment is just the acknowledgement and affirmation of the other person being right. Um, so, you know, I try and tell my kids this all the time. When someone's arguing with you, look for ways to tell them they're right. So, and then that goes for even one feature of their worldview. So if someone says, you know, I'm being prejudicial in the way I do course, uh, I do a, uh, committee work assignments, and that's really bad for these sorts of, and gives me like five reasons why it's bad, I could pick out, I could look for the one that I think is most right and acknowledge that one. So I'm constantly telling my students too that to look for ways to say you're right to the other person. And when you say you're right, we see the ground and acknowledge and affirm the correctness of part of that, the worldview that the other person is advocating. That process, that action, has a, as a communicative action, has a very powerful effect on the other person, in particular because of the ways in which it enacts a form of relationality that could manufacture or produce trust. See, the distinction making that I was talking about in the last episode actually is likely, is fairly unlikely to manufacture trust. Distinctions are kind of powerful communicative modes of trying to seize control of the terms of a debate. Seeding ground, kind of more passively accepting or acknowledging or affirming another person's worldview um, is powerful for the ways in which it can build trust between two interlocutors. And that trust presumably could be leveraged later on in the course of some other communicative interaction. So the rule of thumb I often, for the purposes of persuasion, the rule of thumb is often this. Look for ways in which you can say to someone you're talking with, you're right. I acknowledge, affirm, confirm this part of your view, of your worldview, and watch the ways in which that process can transform the relationship you have with that person. And a strategic thinker knows when and how to do that effectively so that there are other circumstances in which then they can use that relationship to further advance a different set of goals. Um, so tell people they're right. Don't just make distinctions. And if you find yourself constantly making distinctions, you're probably battering someone to death with those distinctions. You should stop that and start looking for ways in which you can acknowledge the other person's right. Now, just like making distinctions, though, we don't want to constantly just see the ground, the communicative ground to someone else if we want to be persuasive. So we can't always say that person is right. But we have to find a kind of balance between those distinctions and, and the acknowledgement or affirmation of another's worldview. Uh, okay, so that's it for episode uh, 59. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back shortly with another episode. Thanks.